Caution. Learning in progress. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Smarter Every Season. My name is Tyler Hubert. And on this episode, uh, first of all, let's start. I am excited to have Paul Harms back. I'm back. Yeah. So Fully caffeinated. Everybody is probably a little bit sick of hearing from me. They don't have to hear from Hans on this episode. But we've just gone through the um, the fast and furious spring season. I put a T at the end of furious. I don't know why. Fast and furious spring English. season. In- poor English. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Paul's back. It's good to be back. We gave uh, Hans a day off, but we made Tyler slave away one more time. I and enjoy it. It's a labor I of love. Do appreciate you guys really carrying us through the spring. That was super helpful for us. Kept part of the team focusing on the customers and dealers, but also allowed this venue to still grow too. Yeah. So much appreciated. So for anybody jumping back in with us, this is the Smarter Every Season podcast brought to everybody by the product support team here at Precision Planning. And we are coming out of the spring season, which means that it's a really good time to dive into postseason maintenance. What we want to do it with this conversation was to focus on before that planner gets fully put away and parked on the back of the planner or back of the shed, folded up and out of the way where it doesn't get looked at or moved for 10 months. What are the things that we should keep in mind and take note of before we go through that, before we forget about it? So to help us with that conversation, we brought in two of the experts in our team. First and foremost, Brian Jackson. Well, hey, how's it going? Welcome. And second but not less, Nate Kincaid. Hey, how's everybody doing? Okay. Unfortunately, no live callers, so this is going to be a one directional. But <laughs> this is great for us, and we asked these two gentlemen specifically because of their expertise. There's nobody better on the liquid floor than Nate, so he is... Our, our best man for that, and he's going to ha- definitely speak to some specifics there. Brian is farming on the side as well, yep. has some real-world experience, and he's going to speak from those sides as well. I'll add to it. One of our more popular episodes was when Brian came in, on and talked about uh, meter performance, calibrating meters, preseason meter inspections, things like that. Uh, so I'm sure you'll chime in with some postseason maintenance tips there. But yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely will. value as a grower, yep. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that, let's just dive in. You guys got an opportunity to put some notes together or angle a little thought towards this. Brian, you want to go first on what where does where does your mind go when before you put the planner away? What are the what's your checklist of items? What's the first thing on your checklist? Yeah. So we are just wrapping up planting now. Did a little bit of replant, but also uh, helped out some growers in the area that had some fields that needed planted. So we're, we're just kind of wrapping up now. I would say our main postseason wrap-up starts during season. So for us, we try to, as we're planning, kind of write down things that we might see or stand out while we're planting. So end of the day, we'll, we'll go in. We've got a dry erase board in the shop right next to the um, tool cabinet. So we'll go in there, write a few things down, uh, things that need to get fixed. So one example on, on our bean planter, uh, we've got a – the chain tensioners are getting worn. So we snapped a couple of them during season. That always stops the hydraulic motors, stops you for an hour or two. So goal is for off season now, this winter or summer when we've got time is to pull that out, get new spring tensioners for the whole planter, and then redo the chains too. It's not that expensive, but during season, 
downtime when that is. actually happened. That downtime really cost us quite a, quite a bit of time. So we'll just write things down like that. A couple of rows that stand out maybe is running high or low population on that planter. Write those down just so it's something we can dive into afterwards. That's that's where we start. Then once we get done planting completely, we'll go ahead and we'll clean out all the hoppers, dump all the excess seed out just so it's not sitting in the hopper or in the meter all year or all the rest of the season, the rest of the year. So we'll do that, and then we get take the meters apart, make sure those are all clean, blow all those out. There's a lot of dirt usually, extra e-flow kind of caked in the bottom or in little crevices in the meter, so we'll kind of get the air out and kind of hit those, get that excess stuff out. And I love the fact that you can get those hoppers and meters and any of the central fill lines cleaned out before it generates that wonderful smell. (laughs) If you get to it right after planting, it doesn't have that beautiful aroma. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So we we'll do that. We'll get it all cleaned out. And, and one of the things we really like to do when we're going through that clean out process is check over the planter. So while we're taking hoppers off, we're checking over chains. Like we're probably going to replace them all anyway this year because it's been quite a few years and they're getting where they're stretching and the chains, when those tensioners would break, a lot of times that would break the chain too. Like usually right at the, at the master link. So I know they're getting worn that we're probably going to replace them all anyway, but on a year where that wasn't the plan, when we're taking these hoppers off, we're checking over the chains and making sure that they're running on their idlers, making sure everything looks good there while we're taking it all off. And same thing in the meter. When we're actually taking these meters apart, we're making sure the brushes are good, the singulators are good. Now, it's still a good idea, like these have e-sets. It's still a good idea to run those on the meter stand if we can verify performance that way. But some of these things are a visual check, and we can just see right off the bat maybe a vac seal's torn or something like that, and that could have been causing some issues in spring. So those are some other things. Once we get all the mechanical stuff kind of figured out and gone over, we'll start to, to kind of produce that list of things that we need to do in the off season. Some of that is, is what we want to do for next year. So if we need parts for the meter, if we think, hey, we'll just add a couple smart firmers for next year, a couple more, then that might be something we're going to plan ahead and try to order those in the off season and get them on instead of trying to wait till right before spring and try to get singulators in and put them on. That sometimes is not, not easy to do. Definitely not this year. It wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been good to wait, but so that's kind of how we go through that. And then the last thing that we like to do is take the monitors out and try to put them in the the break room in the shop. So we got a old kitchen cabinets in there that we took out of some old building. So we'll go ahead and take the monitors out and store them in there. It's climate controlled. So that way we don't have to worry about them sitting out in a below freezing shop or below freezing cab all year round. Like to try to keep those where it's climate controlled uh, all year too. That's great. Fewer freeze thaw cycles is a little easier on the air. Yeah. Yeah. Electronics. Definitely. So I like that you, you break it into two things. A, you actually do touch the planter before you just fold it up and park it in the back. And then you don't just kind of do the basic empty. You're intentional about while you're doing the process of cleaning out, which you, you would want to do anyway to avoid that lovely smell. You're actually taking the time and, and going through the process slow enough that you document and inspect and visually check each of the mechanical and, and 
physical components along the planter as you go. Yeah, I mean, you have to handle them anyway. You got to dump the seed out. So on that planter, when you're taking them off and you're dumping them out, you might as well just check to make sure your chains and all your meter components are good yep. while you, you're doing that. If you rush through it, it takes you two minutes. If you pause and actually inspect and take a moment, it takes you two minutes and 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. But if you have to come back and do it again, it takes you another two minutes and 30 seconds because you didn't do it right the first time. So you need to slow down and inspect. Yeah, and sometimes the, the rows kind of stand out from the season right after the season, but you get six, eight months down the road and you don't remember it. So sometimes this stuff that we're doing won't happen, like chains getting changed, all that won't happen until the winter. But at least we have a list of things that we need to do to the planter before December. And I love the the fact that you said your postseason wrap-up starts in spring and that you're generating the list of items that you want to be investigating, fixing, or that goes on the maintenance list ahead of time. Um, is it, And you said it's just kind of at the end of each day? You guys as a, as a group get together and... Yeah, we try to. Um, some of it isn't documented all the time. Some of it's in text messages going back and forth like, hey, this is going on on this row, switch meters, and it, did, it stayed with the row, you know. So on that bean planter where it's E-sets, ground drive with hydraulic motor, that's something that, that we know there's more to the drive system than just the meter, right? So we know there's a lot more that goes into that seating performance. And if we switch the meter, we know it stays on the row. There's a lot lot going on there. So on the other planter, we got V-drive on that planter, so not as much drive system. We still take them off the meters, dump the seed, and and go through the meter and blow them all out and make sure no old mud and dirt and e-flow is caked on those through the season but yeah you also fight fewer rodent issues if there's nothing to feed the rodents that's right (laughs) (laughs) yeah they like to get in there that seed and then a lot of times you'll see them chewing through vac seals and uh, brushes too so so i liked what you said too about ordering parts earlier i think whether we like it or not we're kind of in a time where the supply chain is still affected it's good to have those things front of mind this time of year mm-hmm. and get on ordering them, not wait until January or February. How do you handle meter parts? Do you guys store any internals of the meter elsewhere? I guess dig into that a little bit if there's anything you recommend there. Yeah, so we have some parts on hand, mainly because we switched. We, we had a planter that was E-sets ground drive at one time. And we switched that over to V-set V-drive. So then on the on the bean planter that's E-sets now, hydraulic drive um, planter, we have parts where we can, if we have a row that may not be planting where we want it, we can go rob these meters, these 12-row units, like meters that we have sitting in the shop up, up above the breaker, and we can go take some parts out of that and try them in the other planter to see if that fixes it. So we do have extra parts there where we can kind of play with and see if we can't increase performance that way, figure out what's going on. Now, do you also, while you you mentioned and you got into detail of, of the inspections that you do in the meter, does that expand? And you did a little bit for the drive systems for the hydraulic drive. Do you expand that out to like lift cylinders, uh, parallel arm bushings? Are you giving a fine-tooth comb to the whole thing? Is there a unique process to that? Or are you just, hey, I'm going to set aside a day, and we're going to go through and put eyes on and measurements on everything? Yeah, so end of last spring, we noticed that the 
the twelve row planter was uh, a lot of the gauge wheels had some slop in them, so that was on our list that we wanted to do this past winter, okay. twenty one into twenty two to get fixed. So we ordered all new gauge wheels, gauge wheel arms, uh, seed tube guard at the bottom, your uh, mustache. We we replaced all of that on the on the row unit. So yeah, it wasn't just meter wise there. And we'll do the same thing with with the planter as we'll bring them in end of season. While we're cleaning them all out, we can check gauge wheels right there. We know we've had a couple of gauge wheels hanging up on the bean planter, so that's something we know is going to be on the list of things to do too. And that's something for us as as on the on the precision planning side. Uh, you, you're you're definitely feeding this list from the from the grower side. What you guys do on your farm mm-hmm. uh, from the precision planning side. There's a great opportunity for us to encourage that out of growers that aren't as forward thinking as you guys are, or to take advantage of that and, and help build those lists or understand what lists our customers are already putting together. So we know how to position, get them the right tools and parts that they need ahead of time. You know, that's a, that's a great step to, to try and work that forward. Yeah. And a lot of that comes from, um, just always talking to growers, listening to hear what they do on their farm that I can, you know, bring back to our farm too. Um, going to like PTI and listening, listening to people talk there. Um, going to other ag events throughout the year, um, you learn to to take things back to your farm and and try to make it better every year. So we're about. 15 minutes in here and, and outside of saying hello and starting Nate has been uncharacteristically quiet. I I'm just gleaning information like everybody <laughs> else. He's in writing, <laughs> writing over there. Furiously. Just gathering it all in here from beach. <laughs> it's rock solid information. I don't know. There's not much to add there, but he did stop short of, was there any other pieces you had to share, Brian? No, that were specific. No, those farm? are the main, those are the main things we, we do at the end of the season. So I had a, a question, Brian. Like, what do you think's the one of the? It doesn't have to be one thing, but what's something that that growers typically miss, or what's that? What's that thing that kind of catches guys by surprise when when they're talking about looking the planter over, getting ready for next year? Um, I would think it's probably gonna fall in the mechanical side of the row unit, right? The part that Paul brought up lift cylinders, all your gauge wheel arms, that kind of thing. I would say it's probably in that. Usually if they're, you know, dumping out hoppers, they might check over the meters a little bit as they're doing that. But it's the actual, and and I learned this working at Precision, there's more to furrow creation, right, than just the opening discs. The opening discs, you know. So I think that part is the thing that probably people miss the most or they just kind of glance over it. Well, yeah, they look... They look okay. Present. They lift them up and they move the gauge wheels. Yeah, they're still moving. They're still good. But, you know, are they set correctly? Do they have too much slop where they're moving side to side? Um, I think that gets missed quite a bit. And that's a good call out. We have on our cloud planter and row unit specific inspection sheets that maybe it's a value to provide back to your growers. Put, put in your hands. I know you, you kind of have this list already pre-built in your head from your time and experience here, mm-hmm. but for anybody who doesn't have the checklist of what they want to go through and, and, and evaluate, those are on, and we usually think of those as a pre-plant inspection. Evaluate these components before you go to the field, but it could be just as valuable to use that pre-season checklist 
after the season to know what you have to plan for going through into next season. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one that, you know, we, as precision, we've highlighted a little bit in the, in the past year or so, but had kind of been forgot about maybe by some growers over time was, was that seed tube guard, right? That that seed tube guard and it being the correct width is a big part of furrow formation and our Keaton, the furrow being the right shape. So the Keaton can get to the bottom of the furrow. Mm -hmm. Um, that that's one that I think a lot of growers sometimes look past because it's it's hiding down there, right? Right. Yeah. It's between the discs. You put new discs on. You don't think about that guard. If it wears out at a different ratio or a different timing cycle than the opening discs, the opening discs can be the proper diameter, hiding it inside there being too narrow. Yep. And you touched on it a little bit. It's called a seed tube guard. People think, well, it's still it's present. It's still there and and protecting the seed tube. What they don't think of is it's setting my width for my furrow. You know, I think, I think people miss that. Yeah. Yep. So with that, Nate, let's jump a little bit into the liquid side of things. And I'm, I'm, I think it's awesome that you've kind of, we're continuing the conversation with adding on to what, what Brian was saying. You have a ton of expertise, um, on being the lead of V apply HD, but you also have a ton of expertise just being out and visiting planners. So I, I love that you're chiming in in other ways there, but I do, we do want to dive deeper into kind of liquid postseason maintenance side of things so brian had a list prepared i think similarly you have a list prepared too can we start to dive into your thoughts on on uh, liquid system maintenance yeah i you know i think that the first thing is really we jump right from planning into side dress and crop protection and sometimes we can forget about getting that liquid system cleaned out uh before putting the planner away and so uh, I think it's really important to get everything flushed out and clean, uh, especially as the industry is moving towards more biologicals and stuff. Um, you could you could have some pretty good science experiments going on in your tanks and in your plumbing, and 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 that's not going to make startup or cleaning it up later very easy, right? And so getting that system fully flushed out. You know, flush, flush, flush with clean water, especially in our turbine-based V-Apply HDs, turbine-based flow sense. Getting that completely flushed out and clean is going to be important. Is there anything besides water you can use if you have, like, crud? Like, if you do have a buildup of some gunk, yeah, just some funky stuff in there, a science experiment, what else could I use? Is there anything in your experience that can kind of cut through that or, or help? I mean, there's there's a lot of commercially available tank cleaners. Like those, those are going to be good products to use, right? Um, no specific recommendations there, but uh, you know your local ag retailer is going to carry some sort of tank cleaner. Um, certainly, I think something like white vinegar, if uh, might take care of some of those biologicals. Um, That's a great idea. And mm-hmm. killing and killing those off. So yeah, I think there I think there are things beyond just water that you can use. You know, some guys will use like a, a Dawn dish soap. I don't know that those will kill those biologicals necessarily, but if you are getting that scum buildup kinda in there, a tank cleaner, dish soap or something like that's probably gonna be a pretty good idea. The biggest thing is, you know, making sure that we get that clean so it's not growing stuff and you're gonna have you know, it can I've I've had planters that it took thousands of gallons of water that you're sitting there flushing through this system and you still got junk coming out. You know, that that is not the way you want to be spending your time in the spring 
getting ready to go plant. You got other things to be doing. Every nook and cranny and corner, every 90 degree fitting has somewhere to catch and hide growing things. Absolutely. And, um, you know, once you get those flushed, then it's a good time to go ahead and do your RV antifreeze and, and get it winterized, right? Um, now, I would say that maybe not all antifreezes are built the same. Some of them are going to have more possibility of growing things themselves. Like just because there's antifreeze in it doesn't necessarily mean that it won't grow something, especially if you've got a, a lighter colored tank that lets the light into the tank if it's not in a, in a shed, that sort of thing. So, you know, having a, a good quality one, I'm, I, I've seen some experiments done with different kinds of RV antifreeze. It seemed like the ones without um, alcohol seemed to do a little better in not growing things. I don't know how scientific all that was, but uh, certainly being clean prior to so that it doesn't have some place to start growing things is super important. I think there's another thing, though, with, with Delta Force maybe on a planter with fertilizer that that maybe not everybody's aware of. So it's a good idea to go ahead and run the Delta Force health check when you're done with the season, especially a planter that has fertilizer on it, because that health check's going to cycle those cylinders all the way up and force high-pressure oil into that chrome of the cylinder rod and prevent those Delta Force cylinders from rusting if they did get fertilizer splashed on them through the season and wasn't completely cleaned off. So running the Delta Force health check, really for any system, I think is a good idea to just force that oil into the into that chrome of that cylinder rod, but especially on a planter with fertilizer, doing that Delta Force health check to force that cylinder to be clean or the rod of that cylinder to be clean as it goes into the shed, I think is, is important as well. Yeah, I think to add to that point too, if you do that and then have any exposed area of the cylinder, it might not be a bad idea to coat that in a thicker grease. Just take two fingers worth in a tube and kind of smear that on the bottom side of the of the cylinder as a form of protection there as well. But yeah, I think that's very good advice. So in the background, I've been quick trying to pull and get an understanding of tank cleaners because I hadn't really thought about what to use for tank cleaners. And it looks like there's, there's two varieties that I can quickly search. One is something like a, surf, uh, a surfactant that, uh, that's going to break down and make the water and whatever it is flow easier. So very much like your um, uh, Dawn dish soap. It's going to do that. It's going to make things slide. The other ones contain something like your vinegar or uh, the other common one is a sodium carbonate, which is something to actually break down the acids in the fertilizer and flush it out and make it more of an inert. So uh, both of those are... I guess my coaching on that would be evaluate what you were applying and what's sitting in your tank and use what product you need or look at what the ingredients on the product are. Do you need to try and just make it easier to flush out or do you need to break something down just to build on what you were saying there? So, Yeah, absolutely. Have you found, when it comes to, to RV antifreeze or something of that nature, have you found one to be your go-to coaching or, or hey, use this? Yeah, not not anything specific there. Um, you know, a lot of them now have ethyl alcohol in them, and I I have a feeling that those are maybe more susceptible to growing a science experiment <laughs> um, in them rather than the pure propylene glycol types. But, yeah. So um, not hard science, but just your, your gut instinct is, is more to the propylene. Yep. 
Okay. Exactly. That's great. That's that's why I want to pull you guys in here is to try and tap some of that experience, that knowledge. So I have a silly question. The big thing with using RV antifreeze is what? So antifreeze, obviously you're trying to prevent any like liquid or water that's still in the system from freezing inside of the EHD, right? Yes. If I put my planner into a spot where it's climate controlled, or at least it stays above 32 degrees regularly, would you still recommend RV antifreeze or is there, there anything else that maybe could be used? Yeah. You know, I think RV antifreeze, the reason that everybody tends towards that is it's going to be, you know, environmentally safe to, to dump on the ground when you're, when you're de-winterizing the system later on. So, you know, you're not going to get the dog sick or anything like that, that, uh, that comes along. Right. So we want to make sure that we stay safe for the pets and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's got some sort of mold inhibitors a little bit and that kind of stuff in it because with, you know, winterizing your RV, you don't want to be brushing your teeth with something that's going to be bad for you <laughs> later on, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just think that's pretty commonly used um, and everybody feels good about the safety of it. Fair enough. Do you have any feedback? I know I've had some conversations where gentlemen will say i just leave the 32 in it I, I make sure i've got all the lines full of 32 because that won't freeze yeah um certainly there's some guys that like to go that way i just worry there about something salting out uh you know and and that's again that situation where if it does salt out you've got all of those lines think of all of those lines on the planner and if it salts out and you've got that material built up in those lines it tries to hold on to the whatever it's stuck to you. Right. And so how many thousands of gallons of water or then product next season before all of that gets pushed out and through and how many problems did that cause you? Whether it, you've got an orifice based system where it's catching in the orifice plate and you're plugging a row there, or you've got a turbine based system and it's plugging turbines, you know, there, there's going to be something in the liquid system that that causes a problem most likely. So I would tend to stay away from that. Um, you know, some guys also will talk about, you know, once they flush the system clean with water, actually blowing the lines out with air. I think that can be a good idea as well. Uh, but don't blow that air through your application devices. So don't be putting that air through uh, flow sense with turbines or Vapply HD with turbines. Uh, you don't want to you don't want to damage any of that equipment. You don't want to maybe damage the check valve diaphragm by high-pressure air. So if you are going to blow lines out, disconnect them there at the row so that you can you can just be blowing air through the lines. That's a good idea, too. And then, um, you know, the other thing is we got to think about if we've got V-Apply HD, there's two channels through that HD. That HD has to open up a ball position far enough that we get, our RV antifreeze through both paths because you could winterize just one path and not the other path if you aren't careful. So our, our Vapply HD winterization document takes you step-by-step step through that process. The big deal there being you want that ball position to get to 40 degrees so that we're sure that we get uh, both paths of the module cleaned out. Nate, anything else that you want to add from a liquid maintenance side of things? You know, I, I really think those are the big things, Tyler. It, it's, it's not super complicated, right? And I don't think it takes a guy a lot of time when they do it now. 
before there's problems. But certainly if you wait and that tank grows a science experiment in it, I mean, I, I had the experience of it myself here. You know, one of our training planners actually had RV antifreeze in it, but it had sat for like two years. We hadn't really done anything with it. And, and we peeked our head in the tank and it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is a mess. Like it, it took us all morning of pressure washer. You know, it, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not time you want to be spending once you once you do have a mass, right? And the actual process of doing it is not enjoyable. It's not enjoyable. <laughs> it doesn't right? smell real good. Not always. Not always. <laughs> no. I think the theme of this show is what can we do today to avoid that smell next spring? There you go. <laughs> That's right. Whether it's the smell of the dead mouse that was eating the corn in the meter yep. or uh, the, the e-flow that got nice and humid all, all summer, whatever that yep. might be. Uh, yeah, avoid the smell. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to dive a little bit, and I'm going to come back to you, Brian, into I think this is also a good time of year for, if you will, data maintenance. What do you guys do this time of year with the data collected from spring? Uh, so that depends on how smoothly the spring went. Okay. You know, so uh, I find myself a lot of times cleaning up field names. You know, someone plants one field, moves to the next field, plants uh, maybe halfway around the field and says, oh, I forgot to change the field. So then they either plant the whole field with that other field name or change the field name. So we get partial data from one field going into a field name of another. So I find myself a lot of times going in and shuffling data around, making sure it is put under the right field name, making sure that if they planted it under a, a different field name than we normally plant it under, maybe merging those together and putting all the, the correct data under the correct field name. So I do a lot of that work kind of after after season as well. Yeah, those are the main, the main things I would say data-wise that I usually have to clean up. Most things, and, and we, we want to do that just to make sure we're ready for harvest uh, and making sure we have all the planting data in the correct field name so that when we come back for harvest, we can select the correct field and actually get a good yield map that correlates to a planting map. Now, you mentioned that on the on, from the vein of it depends on how smoothly the spring went. I'm guessing if there was a, a sense of urgency or a hectic period during the spring, there's likely more data that needs to be fixed. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, does, uh, does it slip off the list if... It was a smooth spring. Is that something that get, gets forgotten about until harvest prep? Most of it I get right after spring, I would say. But, but yes, to that point, there's a, a time when you're sitting in the field and they can't find the correct field name, so they just create a new field. That gets them planting. It gets the whole field done. It doesn't put it under the correct field name, so that means that I have to go through and then actually fix that data on the back end. Do you have, does your family, do you do a review of planting from a data side closely after planting or is it, is the first full review of planting done after harvest? We actually have yield data. Yeah. Usually it's after harvest. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we'll go through and make, make sure everything is correct for planning and for insurance. Right. So, We'll want to make sure we get planting dates, acres, uh, planted acres, 
all turned in. So we will look through all the field files then to do that. But most of the time, actual planting population, variety, that's all done after harvest when we're looking at that. Yeah. It's only the high-level data present checking box, making sure we've got the high-level but then no no deep investigations unless something was specific. You knew you had to go clean up data where the file was located. Correct. I know I have to fix data every year. <laughs> I just don't know how much I will have to fix until I actually start looking looking at the data. So are you the only one that fixes data on, on your farm? Yeah. Yep. Have, like, maybe one of the postseason implementations to improve for next year, have you considered, like, an, a reward system for yourself? Like, Hey, listen, you guys can make new field names, but for every new field name you make, that's 10 bucks you're putting into my, my data cleanup fund. I haven't, I haven't thought of that yet, but maybe that's a good idea. Maybe we could get some feedback from the listeners. There you what go. What I can do. There you go. Yeah. 10 bucks seems pretty cheap here. I mean, people might want to come to Brian for this service if it's only 10 bucks. That's fair. He's, mm. But he is talking about the inter-family rate, the family rate. Of, <laughs> like, is it is it the... That might the, cause it to be a little higher than we... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about what Brian was saying about, you know, they've got this whiteboard where they'll write down the things that happen through the season that they want to look at next year, you know. Maybe not everybody. Uh, you know, I don't farm myself, but I imagine if I did, I might not be that well organized. In uh, having this nice whiteboard. Uh, I don't know. I've been to your desk before and seen the mountains of your handwriting on different documents and notes you take. Yeah, but but when you lose that note, what do you do? So I was just thinking about, you know, maybe this is the right time as a, as a dealer to have those conversations with your growers of, hey, you know, what what things did you do to the planner to keep it going this year? that we should maybe address before next season. You know, was that a harness that you ripped in half that you fixed and you got it going, but we should probably replace that harness before next year to be set up for success. Or, you know, maybe it's a smart connector system and you had a row that, uh, that, that quit working, quit reporting the seed tube data and you just ignored it. But, but now's the time to think about, okay, what are we going to do about that before next year? So now's a great time to have those kind of conversations about what what things did we do just to get it going that we should address here in the summer months rather than forget about it until April next year. Yeah, part of the value, the, the awesome part of having Brian, who's picked up pieces of improvement from getting to see and talk to so many farmers over the years is what they've implemented at their farm. If we as dealers, our dealer network can take advantage of for growers that didn't have that and take those kind of ideas to them, just like you're saying, that's, that's awesome. I can, I can usually think of the whiteboard wasn't present in the shop, but it was on, there was always a marker in the cab and I had three whiteboards in every tractor cab. It was just the window and that was where the notes were. Oh yeah. Yeah, window notes are great, yeah. but then windows get washed. Well, <laughs> well, sometimes windows don't always get washed. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I was just kind of thinking about, you know, you have that conversation with somebody that's having maybe a can communication issue, and they go, yeah, I mean, we, we pulled this harness apart, but we fixed it, so that's not the problem. Well, 
maybe that harness should have been, you know, the fix got us by, but the right thing to do before next season is replace it. Mm -hmm. I think you bring up a really good point about this being part of the service that a dealership can offer. Um, that this is an important time of year that before those things get missed or put on the back burner, this is an important time to also consider the service portion. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great opportunity, right? It's another point of contact with the grower shows them your investment in, in the planner and making sure that we're ready to go for next year. Nate, you asked a really good question to Brian earlier. I'm going to spin it back on you on the liquid side of things, or really in your experience overall, uh, you've been, doing this for a long time and have talked to a number of growers. I know yourself, anything, let's start on the liquid side that you know of that, man, this is one that guys usually miss. And then if, if it's not something on the liquid side, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well. Boy, as far as missing, I think it's just that, that busyness of this time of year, right? The, the, yeah, we're done with the planner. So we put it away. So we will, we'll winterize it later. I think, I think the key is, go ahead and do that stuff now. You know, there'll, there'll be a rainy day at some point that you can't be doing field work that take that opportunity to go ahead and clean the system, flush the system, winterize it now rather than waiting until later. So, yeah, I think, I think that's just the biggest thing is, is do what can be done now. And, and sometimes you plan on doing it a month later, but the reality is that planner goes in the back of the shed because the stuff you're going to use next needs yep. to be close to the door. And then the planter gets looked at right before spring. Yep. And so that's, that's the other reason why I'd like to get everything cleaned out, looked at, gone through before we put it away, because most likely it's going to be buried in the back of the shed when we actually do put it away. Yeah, exactly. All right. I want to thank you both very much for coming in today. Brian, I'm going to especially thank you because I know you just welcomed number three to the Jackson household. That is right. Two yeah. days ago. Congratulations. And thank still you. made the time to come in and talk about planter maintenance postseason. That's what dedication. No problem. No problem. <laughs> Nate, you had to be here. You didn't have <laughs> you had no other excuse not to. Well, so. it was fun anyway. Yeah. Good. Had a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Glad you guys could come in and make it. Paul, everybody has been hearing my voice wrap up this podcast for the last eight to 10 weeks. I can do it. Is there anything else you want to add before we do wrap up? No, we are excited to be back on a lighter schedule where we can kind of go into more topics, go into more deeper depth. I know we didn't cover this topic to full extents, but hopefully just having the conversation is enough to spark the thought, create some activity. And we want to continue to focus on these ideas of touching on leadership within our, within our businesses, uh, activities that can drive sales and stronger relationships with our customers, just all in all in all, how do we do better at being precision planning dealers and people in general? So uh, with that, I would say we're going to look forward to seeing you in another two weeks as we come with another episode. And until then, let's just keep getting a little smarter every season.